welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, here with our guest today, Aaron Burkett, contributor and member of the Savage Rifts development team. Welcome. Hey, Logar. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on. And I'm excited because we're going to talk about rifts today. <laughs> In the year 2022, it's not a game line that I think gets uh, as much press or pub in the general discourse as it deserves. I, I'm i a big rifts fan. It goes back to the early days of rifts. We got into that. And and yeah, uh, now this is you're on the Savage Rifts development team. Let's talk a minute a minute about Savage Rifts and Rifts and the difference between the two. It's the same setting, but we're talking two different systems, correct? Right. They are di- very different animals, right? Savage Worlds is this sort of bastard child of like the Deadlands classic system with a sort of framework adopted from D20, uh, the D20 boom after a pinnacle went under from that whole event, right? When the bubble popped. Yes. Pinnacle stopped existing and came back years later. So my question is about the system. Now, I, I'm very familiar with the original Palladium system, which is what Rifts came out with in 1990 or sometime around mm-hmm. then. Now, the Savage World system, how does that work mechanically and everything? Like, what's how does could you tell us, give us a quick primer on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in in Savage Worlds, uh, whenever you're going to do a test, right, you have a task in front of you, you have to overcome it. You're going to roll two dice. One is going to be a die rating of your skill, right? So if you're schooled but not great, that's a d4. If you're average at something, that's a d6, so on and so up the chain to d12. Okay. So there's a direct die coding to your competence. So you're going to roll the corp- the appropriate die. So let's say you're punching somebody, you're pretty good, uh, you're pretty good at punching, so you've got a D8. You're also a main character, and uh, we'll, in the system we refer to as wild card, so you're going to also roll a D6. You're going to roll those two dice, and you're going to take the highest. Your target number is four, always four, never above, never below. Modifiers might shift it, but uh, outside of the caveat of like punching someone, because you have to hit a different target number. But So you're going to take the highest, and that's going to determine your success. Did you get over a four or not? Check yes now. Excellent. That seems an easy enough system to to keep in mind. It doesn't seem like an overly complex mechanic. No, no. As a core mechanic, it's very simple. And then, but that simple that simple resolution engine test lets uh, test engine lets you bolt on more complexity thereafter to interpret. Did you get a success with? Did you get an extraordinary success? Stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So. There are a lot of negative talks about the Palladium system out there. Uh, the original system Rifts was in, but I'm a fan of the old system. I actually just this year wrapped up a Rifts campaign. Awesome. And uh, I love I love Palladium stuff. I grew up playing a lot of it. So I'm curious, how did you uh, get into Rifts in this world of gaming, Palladium and Savage Worlds, all that? All right. So uh, to, I guess to... It goes way back to the, the early 2000s, back in high school. Yeah. It's the only game I could consistently get a group of people interested in, both from like the, the older sibling hand-me-down sense in some people's cases, and in others, this is a role-playing game where people that look like me are heroes, Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, so I had two campaigns all through high school. One was a, about a mercenary company called the Suicide Jockeys, uh, <laughs> tooling around uh, the Texas Freelands. And they were basically perpetually in debt to Bandito Arms, which then let them realize that like they have an endless well of credit. 
because <laughs> Vinny wants to keep them on a retainer forever, so they'll just keep giving them whatever they want. So then they just pivot into being big damn heroes when they realize they no longer have to worry about capitalism the way everyone else does. <laughs> um, and the other group was set in South America, and that, that's where the the these people look like me sort of comes from, right? I, uh, I went to high school in, uh, in the Cypress Fairbanks area, which is like dominantly Latino. Yes. Right. So Rift South America being like, no, 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 no. The, like the the most like Anglo-centric sort of hierarchical groups are the villains. And we've got vampires and all this shit, right? But like, you know, in South America, like the Cordova is very like much in the model of um, Pinochet. It's very much in the style of Pinochet versus like the other surrounding polities. Yeah, that's, uh, that's well, Riff Strike, the one thing that I liked, but it definitely has like these horrible fascistic regimes, which I always uh, leaned into when I was playing the game. Like, here's the bad guy. He's a fascist. He's the human supremacy. I mean, that whole like, concept there that they put out i liked it. It, it you know it gave us a good bad guy to target and something to fight in the game <laughs> right right and like this is something i've met kevin Sibieta in person and there i have a, like I have a billion little questions like is general liebach of the coalition a reference to liebach the industrial band from the 80s <laughs> it, are the coalition based out of illinois because out of out of a detroit chicago rivalry or because it's a blues brothers reference you know like stuff like that like i, I want to get to the nazis game. right right <laughs> Like that's their stronghold, and, uh, you know. We always leaned into that stuff. We had we had fun with our recent riffs campaign. We focused on some of the earlier books and and where they were set. Like the first few books, you have uh, the Archie stuff coming out, mm-hmm. and then you had uh, like Atlantis and Vampire Kingdoms, and that's kind of where we focused on that early stuff when we ran our campaign. But there are so many. Like this world is fleshed out across the globe. I'm curious to know about what it is like. Like setting wise, you're fleshing out in the book that you've currently got out there crowdfunding. Okay, so currently crowdfunding is it's a double header or a double feature, as they like to call it. It's one part is a bo- adventure box set set on uh, focusing on Kansas, right? Uh, and it's porting over. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rad. I know it very well. <laughs> so, uh I'm familiar with like the Texahoma region, uh, so it's like the, the South Kansas. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, sorry. Uh, it's a campaign box set. We has a 194-page hardcover, and it's basically a bleeding Kansas sort of scenario. Kansas, in the continental U.S. sense, is the or continental North America is the freeway. Right, everyone yes. has to. If you want to get anywhere, you have to go through there. Short of going west of the Rockies, which is relatively minimal compared to the rest, the the larger range. You know, people don't realize that you can get to cat that like the plains extend all the way up to Calgary. Yeah. So what we've done is we felt the Spirit West book, which was a really great, incredibly broad stroke overview of uh, indigenous Americans in the Rift setting. We we thought, felt that they could benefit from really focusing in on the Comanche Preserve and this like Kansas territory because the preserve is set in the middle of that. And we have another, there's an otherworldly cosmic horror thing going on, struggles between what does it mean to be human supremacist when you're uh, a co like when the coalition is in there and you're like, you know, the, the Comanche are also kind of human supremacists. They accept DBs and stuff, but they, they have a worldview that they feel is dominant and are not shy about projecting hegemonic power in the area. That's interesting. It's interesting. We, the coalition spreads itself 
quite a few places across North America in the in the setting of the lore and in the game mm-hmm. um, as this mass. Well, I guess what what is the coalition for those who haven't checked out rifts and whatnot? Could you explain the coalition and in, in its place in North America? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, w- one last thing I forgot to mention is that we're updating the timeline from one oh we're updating the timeline from one oh seven to one oh nine. Oh wow. Yeah, Spirit West is set in 102 PA. For people who don't know, that's like at the very beginning of the timeline for Rifts. And seven years of in-game stuff has moved forward, um, but it hasn't been uniformly across everything. So we're doing ta- we're doing South America also for the same thing. Now this is this is my hazy memory. What year was the whole siege on Tolkien and stuff like that? That's 107. That's 107. So it's at the same time as the siege on Tolkien. This is going on. We're just after. Okay, just after the siege on Tolkien. So that's yeah. The, but there's yeah. a book, whole book for that. Was that called Aftermath or something like that? Yes, there's Aftermath, and it does it does a really broad over overview of the whole globe, and that's part of the, the strength and weakness of Aftermath. Um, the other thing that we are crowdfunding is South America, and we're doing like I said, we're doing the same thing. We're distilling the two South America books, and then we're moving that timeline forward. Well, those South America books were interesting when they came out. I I snatched those up right away. I remember the 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 excitement for that to be able to move further south of, like, because the Vampire Kingdoms is kind of throughout Mexico and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you still stuck in that North American territory. So it was right. cool to see us go past that. <laughs> right, absolutely. South America definitely like does a lot to tinge my South America and Russia are the, like the two regions I got into with yes. rifts because the other books like so were sibling hand me down. So I didn't have those at home. So like the first rifts book I ever opened was like Mystic Russia and then South America too. So I have a very distorted view compared to other people who started other people on the dev team who started with the original books and stuff like that. I'm also younger than them by a, a decent margin. So. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. That because that that prime like like when we started playing, there like I, I remember when Atlantis was getting ready to come out, and it was exciting to see this world expand. So watching it go from like there was that original overview of the world in the book, which you could you could do a lot with what they gave you there, and mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of how I see aftermath too. They they just keep on expanding the lore. It's been how many? It's been well over thirty years now that the game's yes. been out. Yeah, we celebrated the 30th anniversary of Rifts in April at the uh, Palladium Open House this year. Oh, no. So what year was what year was the first year that it came out? I, I thought it was Nine, 1990 or was it 91? I think it's like 92. Oh, really? I was. It's I could be I wrong. <laughs> I, I have a. I have an early. I have my. I actually got a copy of the rule book we used to use in high school, and I could go get it, but it's it's far. It's just it's too far beyond my reach. Uh, <laughs> circling back to your earlier question, though. Sorry for the rambling. Oh, uh, you're good. My brain's bad. What is the coalition for po- folks who don't know? Uh, the coalition is the days of future past version of the American dream. Uh, it is the darkest mirror of pre-existing urges within the American psyche and the larger American imperial project. Uh, They are incredibly fascistic, but in the same way that you find like the modern conservative movement, similarly kind of having like some vibes with that, Uh, a perpetual push towards a yesterday that never existed built on the bodies and corpses of subaltern peoples. This is a theme across, and those are some like, you know, those are some topics that are. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's Timeless. a lot. Yeah, there's a or lot present. there. There's a lot there. I think that some folks like would rather not 
have you know evil nazis killing <laughs> you know it is so you're approaching things that aren't always fun like sometimes fantasy is escapism but in this case i don't see it as much as escape. like there is still escapism but it's throwing that kind of dark reality of of what would you call it? <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, at, at its most cynical, right, there's an aspect of Symbieta's writing, uh, the guy who created Riffs. There's an aspect of Uncle Kev's uh, writing which posits that the fascistic urge is intrinsic to humanity. Mm-hmm. And we can never completely escape it, but we have to fight it all the time. Right. Like there's a very similar vibe. If you ever, if anyone's ever inclined to read the heroes of the megaverse book, where he basically like <laughs> eulogizes his best friend, Eric Wujic, who passed away in the two thousands from pancreatic cancer um, and his closest friends and gaming buddies, including himself uh, between that and some of the stuff he's written in like the adventure guide. I think it very, it creates a very clear thesis on what he believes. And like, he has this in- contradictory, like all things that are uh, human inventions, right? Uh, intense <laughs> hope and despair for our future and the coalition in a lot of ways embodies that despair we like like i said i just recently ran rifts and i know that a lot of the people a lot of people out there are there's a a movement like there's there's two different options you have now running in this world you have the stuff that's coming out for savage worlds and then you have the original palladium uh system which is still putting books out for rifts as well they've been putting same books still compatible for the last 30 years well, uh, there's a lot of content out there. For right, us. right. There's a, lot, there's a lot. And one of the things I want to point out that like you mentioned Archie, right? Yes. They just wrapped the Kickstarter for Titan Robotics. Yes. And they're putting out a big, sexy hard guffer uh, or a big, sexy collection called the Cyborgs Collection that pulls all of that, everything Archie together from across the entire line and Titan Robotics. So Shimmerian Nation, uh, Sourcebook yeah. One, et cetera, et cetera. And like we are doing a Savage Rifts conversion for that. And there's some kind of thing that's happening over there, like differently. Was these were traditionally like paperback books. There's a lot of hardback that they've been putting out lately, and uh, I like them. It's nice to have the core set. Like have a there's the core book which works on its own. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of books like a Game Master's Guide. Uh, then there's what was it, the the Book of Magic? There's a giant book, book of magic. magic. It's and... all in hardback now. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the adventure. Like what was the it? adventure guide? Yeah, the adventure guide. I, the adventure guide is one of the best books on how to run games, in, in my opinion. It's like the hidden gem amongst all 90 plus Rifts books that have ever been published. The Games Master's Guide is kind of a misnomer because it's really a reference text for anybody, right? Because mm-hmm. it's all, it's collating all the guns and all the skills and. Oh, yeah. It's got all tons of equipment. It's like, it, it, like yeah, it's like 300 you pages. Go through, you go through like 100 books, these little paperback books, going through 100 of them, looking for what you're looking for. But this is. They're all there from all these decades of cranking these books out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, I think the shift to hardcover is, is both the, the customers say they want it, so Palladium is willing to it. to provide it. The other thing is that there's a shift in what the what, what we expect from role playing game books, right? Um, and I wonder. I expect that in the future. Well, in the past, Palladium has been defined in a lot of ways by. Kevin's uh, longstanding ties to like the black and white do-it-yourself comics yes. um, community, right? Uh, Ninja Turtles is, he gets licensed for Ninja Turtles because he's friends with Eastman and Laird, like personal buddies with them from the old like printing out zines and like stapling them and folding them yourself. Um, and you see that through line for forever, right? Like the, his original publication, Mechanoids, he does all the writing <laughs> and the art and the layout. And I like, but I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of lose that vibe in the future because 
people want color or people expect color. Right? Yeah. That that does have that that is that has been it, making its way into more books. I'm a big fan of the black and white. Right. <laughs> right. So am I. So am I. But like there's there's an adage as we talk about stuff on the dev team. It's like, well, if I like it, it's probably because I am I'm a weird person with weird taste and we probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Now my my question is like like format wise the the Savage Worlds versions of the books aren't the giant uh like so there was like a giant yeah. size what uh, I would say that's that's a I don't know a is that a six or or a I can't I don't know <laughs> I, I I don't have the guides the paper guides in front of me uh but yeah the the, the a four I think Savage Worlds is in graphic novel format yes so it's whatever that size is so it's a little bit smaller than them but it's not like the a4 like really small like OSC no, no, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that no it's bigger than it's bigger than OSC. like it's bigger than the aisle right that uh spear witch put out i'm curious though like there was a savage worlds box that came out and then i think there was a second one was there was an update to the system at some point in time correct yes yes what can you speak to the differences there in the update? Because I've got the the system that was prior. I've got those books. So you've got the. Uh, <laughs> you've got, do you have deluxe? Is that what you have? I got that. Well, there was a box that came out that originally was put out for the first Savage Worlds. Yeah. Uh, or the previous Savage Worlds, and that and that book was super cheap, like five or ten bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, that's explorer. The, yeah. <laughs> those that are the explorers one. runs. Um, and so what happened? What what happens with those is that was initially a way to get people to sample the the, the system yeah. um they the initial run was called explorers edition and then they did an update after a couple of years called deluxe yes. so explorers edition has yellow cover looks kind of like a pulpy passport kind of vibe and then the deluxe has a white cover with like uh a space lady and a knight on the cover the newest one is called adventure edition and it's got like a himalayan adventure pulp vibe on the cover and it's like it's only in hardcover let me hold on um, and Adventure Edition, they're really happy about. They feel like it is their, uh, this is basically going to be the rule set for Savage Worlds for probably a decade, um, Lord willing. And Savage Worlds is kind of like how GURPS was back in the day. It's, it's supposed to be a role-playing system to play any anything you want to play with it, correct? Kind of. Savage Worlds, uh, unlike GURPS, uh, uh, Savage Worlds understands the homework, and it's specifically for adventure games. You want to do non-adventure games, Savage Worlds can kind of do it. You know, I've got a friend who's a big fan of um, Pride and Prejudice and stuff and has, like, tried to do that sort of those sorts of Regency romance Bridgerton kind of games at cons. And it goes pretty well, but it does have its its hiccup. Now we have, like, like there's a lot more available in the Savage Worlds line or the Savage Rifts mm -hmm. line. What Like, I know because I'm pretty sure they just recently did Atlantis. Yes. Um, what, so what all is out there worldwise for Savage Rifts? So Savage Rifts, one of the things to remember when you look at the Rifts, the total normal Rifts line versus Savage Rifts, uh, the big a big part of our job as the dev team is to distill those books down. <laughs> yeah, so, there's a lot. There's right, a lot. there's a lot. So we, you have the main player's guide, which is called the Tomorrow Legion's Player's Guide. You've got your Game Master's Guide, and you've got a B-Series called Savage Foes in North America. And that's sort of like the core, that's the Rifts core book. Um, and all those OCCs ported over into Savage Worlds, and like pretty much every OCC. Like we did, we brought the body fixer. I know lots of people, not a lot of people play Cyberdocs, but <laughs> Cyberdoc, City Rat, Rogue Scholar, Vagabond, they're all there um, in some form. And then the way the first wave was referred to as was called uh, American Armageddon, and it was three books, and that's Blood and Bane's Arcana and Mysticism and Empires of Humanity. Uh, and that covers 
Federation of Magic, Vampire Kingdoms, Vampire Sourcebook. Uh, there was so there's a vampire source book in there. I'm trying to think of what's throughout there because there's like the New West and the Juicer Up. Yes, yes. Uh, New West, Juicer Up. Well, Empires of Few. Okay, hold on. I can actually get. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna go grab the books because they actually tell you at the front. That's one of the things oh, that's nice. They? Yeah, they tell you like if you're interested in more of this because we're distilling stuff down. We don't get to do all the direct. Yeah, and there's a lot of content out there. Content, you can yeah. pick up some of those old books if you're running the Savage Lands. There's probably tons of ideas there for adventures and whatnot. Absolutely. Some- absolutely. They're incredibly <laughs> dense. So a big part of what we're doing is it's all killer, no filler. But you, so in some cases, you kind of need the filler, right? Like, we don't yeah. get to talk about, like, Los Alamos or Naruni Enterprises, which is one of my favorite spots in Rifts, uh, for people who don't know. Los Alamos is basically like Austin, Texas, and it's a juicer paradise, in a lot of ways, a lot of common quest thing question that gets floated around the, the rifts community is like, well, if rifts happened, what what would you be? And like, I have enough like weird evangelical self martyrdom brainworms that I know that I would be a juicer. <laughs> I already have enough issues thinking about the future, um, and the juicer sort of weaponizes that and makes you useful in a certain sense, even if you die in ten years, right? Because you're a chemically enhanced super soldier. Yeah, I I like juicers. I, I'm a fan of it. The whole and I, if, in case the listeners are not aware, what is a juicer? <laughs> uh, so so in rifts, right? Uh, humanity is experiencing before the the apocalypse because it's a post post apocalyptic uh, superhero western with science fantasy elements. <laughs> there's an epoch called the Golden Age of Man, and during the Golden Age of Man, there's a lot of like transhumanism going on uh chemical enhancement psychic enhancement through nanomachines uh cyborgs uh all that kind of stuff and the juicers augmentation all sorts of every kind you can imagine it goes even into like magical uh because there's techno there's techno wizardry whatnot and so you can have magical machinery yes (laughs) yes you can have uh techno wizardry cybernetic enhancements and stuff like that um so a juicer is somebody who is what if you were captain america but like to the 10th power right (laughs) captain america is what a juicer looked like in the golden age of man and like that exists in rifts too right that's called a euro juicer they're a little more tame they don't they have they live longer (laughs) But a capital J juicer is going to die fast and leave a chemically mangled corpse. And they have a harness on them that mm-hmm. constantly pumps essentially amphetamines or drugs and, and steroids yes. into their bodies. Yep. To get the Some most ju- out of their out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you only have a decade to live, right? Uh, and like some juicers have two, right? Titan juicers have multiple biocomps because they're so big. They need the because they they are uh, enhanced for size. It was it was a game that got a little bit of a reputation for power gaming at times. <laughs> well, that, that's one of the things in the adventure guide, right? And in Rift's conversion book one, the original printing, Kevin's got that essay about like what the fuck when you say balance what the fuck does that even mean right you can't balance is the thing that keeps people from getting to play their wildest dreams and the thing that people remember isn't the shit on your character sheet they remember the moments in play with their friends yeah and you can't mechanize that right anyway circling back to the 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 stuff that's in the books in arcana mysticism for example it covers scyscape which is like the ohio river valley new west which is everything west of the mississippi starting with Kansas, uh, Federation of Magic, Canada, Book of Magic, Rift's Aftermath, and then Blood and Banes is covering Vampire Kingdoms, Vampire Sourcebook, uh, Megaverse in Flames, Mad Haven, Arzno, Dino Swamp, Zytikix Invasion, 
Um, and it covers some more of the new West and Canada that's more thematically tied to those. And then Empire of Humanity covers Coalition War Machine, uh, Sourcebook One Revised and Expanded, Aftermath, Coalition Navy, uh, Coalition States Heroes of Humanity, Shamaria Nation, Black Market, Mercenaries, Juicer Uprising, uh, I already said that, Lone Star, New West, Canada, Free Quebec, Arzno, and Northern Gun 1 and 2. That's like, a lot of the books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like Atlantis... And Atlantis is the same way, right? Atlantis is Atlantis, Splendid Dimensional Market, Lemuria, um, the Red Coalition Navy, Rifts Under Seas, and I think there's like one more. And this is a setting that originally, ha- you know, has been it's been expanding for thirty years, cranking mm-hmm. out new world. Like it's a very fleshed out setting in history. It's it's got a lot to do there. And one of the things I like about it is it is uh, people use the term Gonzo. Perhaps that's the wrong term, but it no, is no, we, we don't use everything. Everything yes. you could want it, is it's available in, for rifts. <laughs> it's incredibly expansive. Um, Gonzo is typically a term that gets shot down primarily because that implies a certain amount of that that's tonally mm-hmm. um, dissonant and again, like against the grain of what we we generally are going for. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, you don't read the Chris, the the classic Chris Claremont X Men run and say, "Oh, that's Gonzo," because there's dem- demons from Limbo and mutants and body swapping and <laughs> psychics and like gene stuff and the beast slowly becoming a monster. Like we don't we don't look at that the same way. But that's an incre- that's an integral part of like what makes Riffs Riffs is that it is very much in dialogue with that Chris Claremont X Men run. If it's in if it's if it's um. If it's in the ballpark for Chris Claremont's X-Men run, it's in the ballpark for Riffs. <laughs> that, that's generally my my like what tonally what's 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 allowed, if that makes well, sense. Well, I I'd say that one thing that it has in common, like the Savage Riffs and then I'll say Palladium's riffs, is Palladium system put out a lot of games of different settings and different mm-hmm. genres that were compatible largely. And like you said earlier, there are the conversion books, and you can use any cool idea you have, you want to bring paranormal investigators over from beyond the supernatural yes. or superheroes into rifts or, you know, your palladium fantasy role-playing fantasy characters. You want them to go to the far future and visit rifts. You know, it can be done because the stats are convert are exchangeable. Now this is savage rifts, savage lands or savage worlds has yeah. a lot of different genre stuff available for it as well. So in my mind, it's almost like a perfect fit for doing rifts with another system. <laughs> yes. So they're they're philosophically, in terms of like how they do it, they're very philosophically in lockstep. Uh and the the core system plus book plus plus setting slash mechanic book being a a sort of like promulgation versus like the DD web, you know, they're they're very similar. Uh the big thing is that mechanically speaking, Savage Worlds is a much more of an adventure game than mm-hmm. classic palladium. Classic palladium being a like a snapshot glimpse of somebody looking through AD&D, taking the things they think work and then making it their own. And then just acc- like at Mechano- at the release of Mechanoids in 1979, and then accreting more and more detail with every game line that comes after. Uh, you know, that that's the big difference between that and um, Savage Worlds. That Savage Worlds tries to keep the core system uh, lean and mean. Yeah. Now the core system for Palladium has gotten some, I guess criticism in, in recent years <laughs> and has a isn't exactly the most uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for the reputation is a little tarnished right now it seems but i i like the system i think people make it to be more complicated than it needs to be at times but i'm coming from a 
slightly different place of how I run it. And I've been running it 30 some years, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, the there's it's a telling and a telling aspect of uh, Palladium is how or any role playing game system, right, is what takes up the most of uh, real estate within the, the rule book. Mm -hmm. And how frequently do you want to engage that? Nine times out of 10, combat is the most complex portion. It's going to have at least 10 more pages than anything else. And like when playing, do you actually want to engage with that or not? And the, what, that's what's interesting that in Savage Worlds, it's an action game. It's an adventure game. You go for it. And when playing Palladium, like most OSR games, because in a lot of ways, the Palladium system is OSR before OSR. Getting in combat is a fail state. You lost. Even if you're playing a Glitter Boy or a Cyber Knight or whatever, you don't actually want to get in a fight with anybody uh, because combat is where the rubber hits the road and mortal and like character mortality is very much like an aspect of the way the rules are designed. Somebody gets through a piece of your armor and then shoots you again in that spot. You've lost your arm, your leg. Is it your, your head or your torso? Well, you're dead, right? Because uh, 1d6 MDC is 1d6 times 100 normal HP for a more normal D&D character. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Mega damage is also one of the controversial things I've heard people talking about. And, and how, does, how do you address something like a concept of mega damage, which was in the game system for the original Palladium Rifts, and now that we're moving over here and using power armor and stuff, in Savage World system, how does that differ? So in Savage Worlds, there, is already, there was already an existing concept from their Weird War games uh, called Heavy Damage and Heavy Armor. And we just basically ported that over and we changed the language. Ah! <laughs> and then we it, then we increased the amount of uh, availability to get mega or uh, mega damage things, mega damage powers, right? We, we stapled that onto the pre-existing magic system mm -hmm. of Savage Worlds. You, you want to spend a little more mana and you'll get, you'll do mega damage instead of regular damage, you know, stuff like that. That's interesting. I I like that take that that it's not all based just mega damage. You have to spend a little extra to do the mega damage itself, or the extra da heavy damage. <laughs> Getting access to mega damage is like is kind of a big deal, depending on like what you're talking about. You have to be able to deal mega damage in some aspects, but in others, like access to EBA environmental battle armor is actually a lot harder to get in savage rifts by comparison. Mm -hmm. um, partly because we're, we're distilling down to the all killer, no filler. So you don't have 40 different versions of medium MDC armor that comes with this, uh, these environmental filtration and survival systems. Like Huntsman is just the most common stock armor for nine out of 10 characters. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and stuff like that, which changes the way you interact and think about damage. If you're a normal person in Savage Rifts and you get hit with mega damage, you have to roll like there's a chance that you suffer gritty damage. And that's like a long go. That's a long lasting nagging injury. If it's a particle beam, a part of your body's going to be atomized. If it's plasma, you're on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 very unfortunate there. <laughs> so we're going to be coming close to time here soon. I'm I'm trying to see if there's anything else we wanted to hit up before we wrapped up recording. We uh we know the let's talk about the dates that this is funding and where it's funding at and and what are the books and what it is it that that it is exactly we're looking at like like book wise and box set. Yeah yeah let's let's cover that. Uh, so we were not uh, this on my main project uh, Rifts for Savage Worlds Terror on the Dark Frontier and Land of a Thousand Thousand Islands. Or Land of a Thousand Islands, sorry. That's Rift South America. 
they are both funding on the Pinnacle website, which is www.peginc.com, P-E-G-I-N-C. Um, there's a little header bar, and you can see you'll see a option on there uh, for Savage Rift's double feature. Mm -hmm. The campaign is running for about 20 more days or so. It'll say Rift double feature Terror plus Islands. Mm -hmm. We are currently uh, funding for the adventure box set, campaign box set, I should say, uh, Terror on the Dark Frontier, which comes with a 194-page uh, hardcover book and player options and maps and, and all that good stuff. Um, another 194-page hardcover book, Land of a Thousand Islands, which is Rift South America 1 and 2, bringing that up to pay, uh, to 109 P, uh, PA timeline. Uh, includes a full campaign as well as all your favorites from Rift South America, Nazca Line Mage, Rune Warrior, Anti-Monsters, etc., etc. And <laughs> and the, there's actually like a third thing, which is the Pawn Set 2. Uh, play, Pinnacle is really good at uh, sourcing good cardboard and good machining to print out these uh, 2D figure standees. Yes, and I, we I just, just yeah, the, similar to the ones that like uh, what you what Pathfinder had put out. Yes, 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 absolutely in step with that. So Ponset One was part of the Rifts Atlantis Kickstarter, and we're doing Ponset Two. We're backfilling all the missing entries, and we're including all the stuff that's going to be in Rift South America and in Terror on the Dark Frontier. We basically doubled the amount of color art that the game has. Oh, nice, nice. And where can they find you online and check out some of your some of your stuff and whatnot? Uh, my Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Uh, at, for as long as Twitter persists, which may <laughs> not be much longer. Um, I'm at bull at bullhead psalms. Uh, bullhead as in the catfish. Uh, psalms as in the book. Uh, in the Bible. Uh, P S A L M S. I have an itch that's gonna. That's the same bullheadpsalms.itch.io. I make a little few little games. I've got some stuff down in the pipe that's that's still in dev with Boltneck Possum. I'm looking forward to see what, seeing some of that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be good. Everything I try to do is going to be is a, some sort of passion project uh, mm -hmm. that I have. And uh, the thing with Boltneck Possum is a love letter to a very specific style of fiction that is increasingly enjoying a certain amount of popularity, even if it's no longer operating on its pre-existing like genre label. Oh, you know, interesting. I want to hear more. <laughs> well, like, well, true crimes, true crimes in a boom, but in so many yes. ways, it's just a, it's a faux fictional dramatic uh, dramatization of actual cases. And like, it's, we're not that far off. And like, in the seventies, you had a lot of guys who grew up in rough parts of town or whatever, or mm -hmm. were U.S. attorneys or what have you, who wrote crime fiction, partially riffing on cases they worked or people they knew in their lives. Um, and so it's kind of like one of those. You know? Excellent. Well, we're about out of time. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry I rambled. I should oh, have made good. a list. That's what we need. <laughs> if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon, and we could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.